You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement is brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Veteran-owned, female-owned, family-owned, southwest side of Chicago, covering almost the entirety of northern Illinois and also northwest Indiana. And you can get some money off their services just by mentioning Socks in the Basement when you give them a call or check them out online today, famws.com. My name is Chris Lanuti, my buddy Dave who sits here at my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago, is not here on Saturdays normally. He'll be back on Wednesday for the regular show. This is Socks in the Basement Saturdays. I've poured myself a beer, bellied on up to my nine-foot homemade oak bar, and I thought to myself, who do I want to have a conversation with this weekend? Joining me on the phone line right now from MLB.com, I love having him on to talk White Sox baseball, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Scott Merkin doesn't work for the White Sox. He works for MLB.com, but that that position gives him an awful lot of access, and he gets some really good insight into what's going on around this team. And over the last week, there's been a lot of interesting things happening over there, and there's a lot of things that I want to talk to him about, so we're going to take some time today and speak with Scott. How are you, Scott? Good, and I want to thank you for being patient. The the listeners should know Chris waited about uh, six hours to do this interview, so I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you hanging in there with me. You know what? Here's the thing, man. You, you're a busy guy, first of all. Well, especially with this team this year. We're covering a team, all of us, all, whatever there is, six, seven beat writers total. We're covering a team that's, you know, barring something cataclysmic in the realm of baseball, obviously, which is a big big realm difference to everything else in life. But barring something cataclysmic happened there, they're a playoff team at the very, very least. You know, and they could very much win the division, too. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's been an interesting change from the last three years. The last... Well, last year they were a little better in the first half and then fell off with some injuries and underperformance. But the two years before that, you know, pretty much going into August, you knew you were going to have your October free, you know. And uh, this year, you know, that's not the case. This is this is a really good baseball team. So this team, they realize it too, right? They realize they're on their way to the postseason? Oh, absolutely. Like, they realized it before everyone else did. Like, you know, Lucas Giolito was saying, at, and he's kind of one of the, you know, like the the spokespeople for the team, I guess. Um he was saying it at Sox Fest, and for sure at spring training, that they, you know, and, and other guys who said Lucas said you could see the group camaraderie coming together. And you know, it's funny people were raving about like all these home runs they were hitting. I've used this story a couple of times, but how they were hitting all these home runs in summer camp, inter squad games. And I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, they're well. The bad thing is they're hitting them off their own pitchers, but yeah, they're hitting a lot of home runs. And that's fine, but let's see their actual games. And then August comes, and they hit 54, and you're like, yeah, maybe that was a, a harbinger of things to come. But yeah, they knew it. They They've been planning. It's you know, it's like every rebuild that works out. Now again, just because it works doesn't mean you win a title. The example I use all the time is a team like Milwaukee that's had some really good postseason runs and hasn't won anything yet. And you look at the Cubs and maybe the Astros are a bad example, but you know the Royals. Royals got the two World Series and they're probably the best example of the rebuild, even though they're back in another one now. But you know the Cubs got to what three straight NLCSs, won a World Series, and came close in one other one other season. And that, you know, they, they, that team lost together and both, you know, the Cubs and Astros had some big losing seasons. They grew together and then they won together. And that's what the White Sox are doing right now. And, and, you know, 
probably a, a, a year ahead of schedule and probably, again, you don't want to look at it. I mean, if you can take anything positive out of this, you know, I guess misery or frightening times with, you know, the, the horrible COVID-19, you know, probably the shorter season has benefited them because some guys were ready to pitch and some guys are ready to play in. Whereas I don't know if the same thing would have happened over 162, but this is a good team, no matter how you cut it. And they knew it. Yes. So let's start at the beginning of the week. Cause I'm curious about your insight on that. At the beginning of the week, we had the trade deadline come and go. Now the Sox have gone out and and gotten Gerard Dyson, which I thought was a nice pickup. I mean, you're giving away some bonus yeah. pool money, and all, and, and it's not even bonus pool money for, for next July. This is the stuff that got delayed until about mid-October that they probably weren't going right. to use anyway, and you get a speed demon and a guy that plays defense. That's great. And then there were all these rumors you know, flying all over the place. I love Twitter when it's around a deadline or winter meetings. It's ridiculous. There's always like some account that's got 40 people following it that claims they've got inside information and people go nuts over it. But what was the thing, like you being around the team, was there a rumor or a possible move that you felt really had legs and just didn't work out? Well, you know, one thing I noticed, I know from covering this team through, you know, Kenny Williams as GM and Rick Hanna. Remember, Kenny Williams and Rick Hanna, I don't want to say interchangeable, that sounds kind of silly, but they've been a team for a long time. You know, people, you know, say, well, Kenny Williams did this. Well, Rick Hahn was the assistant GM when they were doing that and very much involved in the process. Now that Rick's GM, Kenny's the executive vice president and very much involved in the process, just like Jeremy Haber, the assistant GM and Chris Getz and Jim Tomey. And of course, Jerry Reinsdorf above all. But so I know they always check in on, you know, everyone, they check in on every top guy that can help this team and hear what has to be, you know, said and hear what the offer will take. And I think they did do a lot of checking on, you know, the usual suspects. And I think the prices were just too big. Now, again, I guess the flip side you can say is, well, you know, why is, why won't you trade for, you know, Mike Clevenger or Lance Lynn? That would give you a chance to win the World Series this year. And you'd still have Lynn for next year at a pretty controllable price and then Clevenger for two more years. But they really don't want to, I think, disturb the balance they have and don't want to lose the the big guys they would have probably had to give up. And don't go by that. You know, San Diego gave up, you know, a couple of frontline guys and then had, you know, kind of a depth trade, you know, where they traded six. I'm sure it's, I know it was different for, you know, what the Sox in the division, a team that was tied for them in first place, what they would have to give up. So, yeah, I mean, I give them credit for looking in the end. They just did not feel there was anything there that was worth what they had to give up to get. And, you know, by worth, I, I mean, short-term and long-term guys they were counting on to be part of this puzzle this championship team or this you know going for the championship for many years you know you bring up the Clevenger thing and I get it they're gonna have to give up a lot they're gonna have to overpay to beat anybody else that wants him because it's in division and I completely understand that um, but there was a question that we came up with on our last show and I said I was definitely going to ask you is there a drop-off where we don't have that second tier of talent in the minors right now do you feel where we have these big names we have these guys that look like they're like high end probably going to hit look like good prospects but once we get by the guys like Vaughn and Kopech and and maybe a couple others a handful others there's not that next group whereas a, a team like San Diego was able to just basically throw quantity because they have just so much in their in their uh minor league system is that an issue right now for the White Sox you know, not having a minor league season this year kind of hurt because a guy like Matthew Thompson or Andrew Dalquist, who might have interest to another team, you don't really know anything about aside from whatever, you know, the handful of appearances they made after they got drafted in 2019. But yeah, I think right now they have the main guys, which keeps their system. I think according to our MLB pipeline, they were like sixth or seventh last time I saw. 
excuse me, keeps them still highly ranked. Although, you know, Luis Robert probably should graduate from prospect at this point, considering he's in the MVP conversation. <laughs> but, you know, they have Andrew Vaughn. You know, they have Kopech. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in the top tier. You know, Jonathan Stever. And then, yeah, they have some other good young guys, but guys who are more projectable and more a distance away than, like, can help a team right away. And I think San Diego wanted guys, from what I heard, I'm sorry, Cleveland wanted guys who could help right then. And they got a couple of them, right? They got Hedges. They got uh, Naylor, who I know has already played for them, and Quantrill, who's already pitched for them. So there's three guys. So, you know, really, as much as that trade could be about depth, they got three guys who are helping a team that's in first place right now, you know, trying to hang on to that that division. So, yeah, I think I think this is the function of the rebuild, right? Because everyone has to, you know, Luis Robert, major leaguer. Eloy Jimenez, major leaguer. Nick Mandrigal, major leaguer. Zach Collins has kind of swung between both, you know, Schaumburg and the major leagues. Dane Dunning, starting the night we're taping this, uh, major leaguer. You know, uh, who else I throw out there? Um, Zach Birdie, major leaguer. You know, I can list them all. They've had 10 guys this year, I think, who have made their debut. Bernardo Flores just pitched, you know, the, the first game of the Kansas City series. So I think this is, you know, this is what happens when you start graduating to a competitive team and the rebuild is done right. Your young guys start competing at the major league level and your system drops a little bit. And you have different levels. You know, Houston still had a pretty loaded system. The Cubs pretty much went barren after they got real good and all those guys went to the top. So, you know, it just depends on how you replenish it one way or the other. One of the things that we've joked about uh, in the in the past week, and I saw a lot of angst on White Sox Twitter, which is the land of angst, was the idea that Yomer Sanchez rejoined a team and Ricky Renteria just seems to love him. Like, there are times where, like, he makes a decision. You're like, really, was Yomer the guy who was the fastest guy off the bench there? I mean, you had Gerard Dyson. Like, we were we were kind of laughing about how Ricky really loves him. But overall, we've seen Ricky. We've been kind of keeping track of his wins and losses and, and games that we thought that he influenced. We think he's been improving as the year's been going on. We recently had Chris Zwick from Yahoo Sports come on, and he said that he had been analyzing tape and he thought that Ricky Renteria had made enough mistakes this year that if the White Sox didn't perform in the postseason, you could definitely make an argument they should go out and find another manager. Do you feel in any way the White Sox would even consider that right now with him, or is he really in an audition year? No, I, I don't think it's an audition year. I think, you know, first of all, to make the playoffs, it'll be the first time they made the playoffs since 2008. So that's, a you know, the first time they've been in com- a competitive team since, well, I guess the first month and a half of 2016, but really 2012. So no, no, if he, he makes the playoffs, he's fine. And I think he's fine either way. I, I would guess if, you know, they're, they have a six game lead with seven to play and they lose all seven and somehow lose the playoff spot. There's extreme situations like that, but I think he's good through at least, I mean, this is just a guess on my part. I, first of all, I know from top to bottom, they really like Ricky Rentry in that organization. They think he's a class guy. They think he's built the right culture. Their players respond to him. And I think, you know, the moves that you make are made good or bad, mainly by what the players do. You know, I mean, you know, you can bring in a guy. It's it's sort of like, you know, being like a, a hitting coach. You know, when the guys hit, you say, oh, the players are great. And when they don't, you say, man, we need a new hitting coach. This guy's terrible. He can't disseminate the message at all. But in terms of manager, I think it's the same thing. You know, you put a guy in position to succeed, and if he doesn't, then, you know, it's good. If he pinch hits Yomer Sanchez in the ninth inning of a game where they're down by one, and Yomer gets a two-run single, no one says, oh, what a great move by Ricky. Everyone says, man, great, you know, Yomer came through. If he misses, everyone says, Rick Renteria is horrible, bring in whoever, you know, bring in uh, Buck Showalter or whatever you want to do. For but, <laughs> yeah, I, I would guess he's going to, you know, because 2021 was really their year they were targeting as kind of the first step of this, you know, prime contention window. So I would guess 
you know, he gets at least through 221 if 2021, if not past that. Like I said, they really like him in that organization. And I don't believe there's I don't know if there's any pressure on any manager this year in terms of beyond the regular pressure, which is a lot of everyday dealings with baseball. I mean, it's such a crazy season with so many injuries and so much, you know, dealing with the COVID-19 issues and everything else and the changes in the game. I don't know if it's fair. To, and, you know, same with some players. I don't know how much is fair to judge anyone. So I don't think, you know, I, I don't think there's any chance Ricky Renteria is anything but the manager of the White Sox in 2021. Unless, I suppose, Ricky chooses not to be the manager in 2021. Let's talk a little bit about players that are struggling right now. There's a lot of people that are wondering, like, hey, could Andrew Vaughn really come up here before this season is over because Edwin Encarnacion is not hitting, even though he is historically a slow starter? Could the White Sox right. start making an adjustment where they say, you know what, Nomar Mazzara, it isn't working. We're really not tied to him because it's only arbitration control. We can always move on and do something for next year. Let's put Angle out there more. Do you think this team, as they get closer to the postseason, might look at somebody and say, yeah, it's a shortened season, but now we've got almost two months with you and you're not doing very well. It's time to let somebody else get that opportunity. Or do you think that they're like, we know what the talent is that we have. We're going to wait for it to come through. Well, I think Andrew Vaughn would be a great addition to the team. You know, he's a great kid. He's a polished hitter. You could see it in spring training back before everything went crazy in, in the world. You know, he was really impressive even before summer camp. The only thing is, where do you play Andrew Vaughn right now? You know, you can't have a team with like five DHs first baseman. On it. it doesn't make any sense. They're not, you know, Edwin Encarnacion is a very, very valuable piece of that team. He struggled. He's had some injuries, even dating back to spring training. And you know, he's very influential on the young players in that clubhouse. You hear a lot of them will talk about working with Jose, working with Edwin, you know, over and over again. And I think he's also a guy who, you know, what do they have, 23 games left in the season, something like that, 23, 22. You know, he's a guy who can get hot. He could hit like maybe five, six home runs in that stretch and really start carrying the team. They're not, I would be surprised. I mean, you know, I, I shouldn't say they're not because no one's told me officially, like, this is it, this is our team. But, you know, Andrew Vaughn in right field, I mean, that's an interesting scenario. But you have Adam Engel is doing a great job against left-handed hitting. So if you put Andrew against right-handed pitchers, that's fine if you really think Mazzara's just not got it this year from, you know, being down from being sick and then just not hitting for power. But, man, you don't really have a strikeout pitching staff, right? So you want your best possible defense out there. And nothing against Andrew Vaughn. He may be a great athlete. It might take to right field immediately and be great, but, I said great twice in there, so I really think he might be great. Uh, but, you know, he has no experience aside from maybe, a you know, a, a game or two or a moment or two in Schaumburg right now. He has no experience in right field. So that would be a pretty big risk. Unless you just look at this season, you know, the White Sox just look at the season as whether we go out in the first round of the playoffs or win the World Series, this is just valuable, valuable development time. So let's take a chance and see what happens. Again, I, I think it's perfectly possible that Vaughn comes up. You know, Rick Hahn talked about him the other day and said, there's been a lot of talk from teams asking about him in trades to within the organization, how impressed they are. But I, I just, it would, I just can't in my mind figure out like, unless like Moncada would go to the IL and Vaughn would suddenly become the third baseman over there. I can't figure out how he would fit in the roster right now. And you know, rosters aren't going to expand. Right. So, I mean, you, you really don't have the extra spot to put him up there, but again, it would be a, yeah, I'm kind of arguing myself at this point, but it would be a benefit to him to be through this too. Right. It would be, and I, I kind of enjoy just sitting back and listening to you argue with yourself. It's a, it's it's great stuff. I, it, let's talk. I do that a lot. It's good that someone was on the other end of this conversation this time, though. Usually it's to myself. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes. 
in Evergreen Park and New Lenox. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, with a sister store available to you at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Let's talk a little bit about Reynaldo Lopez because that was a really interesting development this week. You know, we, we've talked about it before on this show. At the end of last season, uh, you could tell that, one, Ricky was out there in his last start yelling at him on the mound. Everybody saw it on TV. And then he gave an interview with Jason Benetti, I think, post-season where he was sitting there like maybe a day or two after the season and it came out. And he was talking about how Reynaldo doesn't seem to focus very well. Like he might think of different things other than just the task at hand, like pitching. There seemed right, to be a frustration right. with the manager towards him, but they gave him an opportunity this year. And there seemed to have been finally a breaking point where now he's been sent back to Schomburg. And I, I don't believe that he ever comes back as a starter with all the different guys that could be options moving forward for this team and what he's shown over the last year and a half. Can you kind of give us some insight as to what you're hearing about, like, was it Ricky who's like, I'm done? Did Ricky have to wait to be able to prove to the guys that were above him, like Kenny and 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 Rick Hahn, like, hey, you know, we like this kid. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like, was there any rumors or mumblings that you're hearing to kind of explain the Reynaldo Lopez situation, especially this week? Well, I think one example from last year that you just brought up is, you know, Ricky had that shoulder surgery, I think it was, right? And there were a couple of times where we saw him and I was, I was in pain just looking at him you know, he was, and yet he was a trooper and fighting through it. He never went to the mound after he had that surgery. He was always Joe McEwing or Don Cooper, even to pull the pitcher, except for the one time to go out after Lopez, you know, and I, I don't mean to laugh about it because Lopez is a really good kid. He's a very honest kid. He's very direct. And, you know, he obviously has the ability. Look what he did in 2018. Even last year in a bad season, he one hit the Indians. He struck out 14 against the Tigers. So you can't say the guy has no talent. He's got a ton of talent. He's just, he's not consistent, you know? And I think that Ricky is man. Ricky wants to win. You know, Ricky's tired of losing himself. He's what managed four teams and none of them have been near 500, right? I think 73 wins is his high watermark. And he knows he's got something good here. And he knows it's also a short run in September baseball, you know? So he's managing it like it is September baseball. And while Lopez didn't understand why he got such a quick hook in Minnesota, I think, you know, Ricky was, gave the kind of politically correct answer about, well, 30 pitches could become 40, but I think they didn't want three runs to become six runs where it was, you know, going to be a real fight to get back in it. I don't think he's done with the team completely, but I do think that that fifth starter spot, assuming Dane Dunning can lock down four the rest of the way, maybe even three, who knows, is going to be kind of a group thing. It could be like, you know, Matt Foster opens, Rodon goes three, Gio Gonzalez goes three, you know, Lopez someday if he gets called back up, and maybe he won't get called up back there. Maybe they're satisfied with what they have up here. But Rodon's going to come back at some point soon. I don't think Gio Gonzalez is too far off. So you have some starting options there. But I think Lopez, they're just, you know, he's got to work on consistency and get this focus down there because it's just not been. And again, it may be a little unfair because he's only made, what, three starts since coming back from the injury. So it's kind of a, 
a quick jump, but that's the that's the problem now. That's a good problem for the Sox is that they're now a contending team. There's no more of this development and let them go and let them figure it out. You're going to figure it out in Schaumburg at this point. If you were sitting here right now and you had a big series to play, because that's been one of the things people have said, like, hey, we, we've had a couple of series where we see them send Giolito, Keiko, and then it was Lopez as the third guy. It, it, but in reality, if we had to go into the postseason now, would your third pitcher be Dunning? Because he seems like, I mean, I love Dylan Cease, and I've seen this great improvement with him, but man, Dane Dunning, is it just because I haven't seen him and the league hasn't seen him and he's going to get exposed, or is he really this good? Well, you know, he was the guy who was being considered as a fifth starter, I want to say, a year ago, right, in 19 in spring training before he uh, before he, you know, hurt his, head, hurt his elbow and had the Tommy John surgery. He was in the mix, at least. So the Sox knew what they had in him when they got him in that Adam Eaton trade. You know, I mentioned him. We had to, each team listed like one guy who could be the most critical in September, and I put him for the Sox. Obviously, or one guy to watch, I think it was in September. Obviously, the one guy to watch every day is Luis Robert, you know, among the many, including Obreu and Anderson and uh, Eloy Jimenez. But I think Dunning could be a guy who could pitch his way in that number three spot, and that's taking nothing away from Dylan, who I think has done a, a decent job. You know, I think he knows his – I know he knows, not I think he knows. His pitch counts are a little heavy. His command of the strike zone has got to be better. He hasn't struck out as many guys this year as he did last year, but he's another one who's got the ability. But there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, hey, we trust Dane Dunning as three, and we're going to make Dylan four in a playoff series. You know, if it gets to that long and go from there. So I think Dunning and Cease are kind of a, a coin flip right now as to who's three, who's four, both capable guys and just see who kind of stands up behind, you know, the one, two of Giolito Keiko. Mentioned Luis Robert. The guy is a video game player. If I created him in my video game and I gave somebody every attribute just so that I could just do amazing things with them, that's what it seems like he is. He feels too good to be true. But the other thing is he's a rookie on this team. It, does he know he's good and if he does know he's that good, what does he, he is he a flashy guy in a dugout? Is he a guy who's really modest? Tell us something about Luis Robert and your time that you've, you've been able to at least have conversations with him because we don't get to see a lot of the backstage stuff, especially now with COVID and everything like that. But what is your impression of this young man? He's really low-key. You know, I've seen him uh, away from the ballpark a couple of times, and both times I saw him, he was wearing a La Pantera t-shirt, which I thought was kind of cool, kind of kind of marketing the brand, right? Sell, selling it out there. but. He, yeah, he's a good kid. He's low key, and he, he he's a little. It reminds me of Moncada. You know, Moncada the year he had the 217 strikeouts. While we were hitting him with the questions like, "Isn't this you know tough? How are you going to get through?" He's like, "Hey, it's a process. I'll get there. I know I'm going to be fine." And last year, after working hard in the off season to improve some things, you know, in terms of his approach and all that, he had an MVP caliber season last year in 2019. Now Robert has hit the ground and just been unbelievable. And he's, I think he really is the fulcrum of this rebuild, you know, taking nothing away from the other eight or nine great guys they have in the mix. But I think this is a guy who can like, like a Mike Trout type who he keeps getting compared to, can single-handedly win a series, win a game, maybe even win a division, that's single-handedly, but, you know, push you towards a division title because he's just so good in every aspect of the game. You know, our, one of our great stack cast reporters, Matt Kelly wrote a story about how great he is defensively. And, uh, we know his offensive prowess. I mean, and he just, what I'm impressed by is he had a game a Sunday or a couple of Sundays ago against Hugh Darvish and Jeremy Jeffers. He had four at bats, struck out all four times on 13 pitches. That's kind of tough to do, right? I mean, he had one pitch over the minimum there for pitches you can see. Next day, he had three hits. And since then, I think he's hit three home runs. So nothing bothers him. Nothing gets to him, you know? I mean, so he's, it's not like he goes, two for 15 and he's like, Oh, I'm sunk now. You know, now how do I refigure things? 
he's got a plan. He follows it. He's a hard worker, and you see the results on the field. Is Yoan Moncada, is he hurt? Is he dealing with the lasting impact of being sick with COVID-19? Did he not get enough conditioning because of it? Have you got any indication as to what's going on? Because I keep saying his legs are bothering him. And I just keep, one of the questions I get asked all the time by people who know that I do the podcast, like, what are you hearing about Moncada? Is it, is it that he didn't get enough conditioning because he was sick or did the illness affect him and it's still affecting him? Well, you know, this illness, you know, everyone knows everything about it and no one knows anything about it. You know what I'm saying? So we asked him yesterday on the Zoom call, I asked him, you know, directly and he said, yeah, he has not felt right since he had it. And I think thankfully for him, unless he didn't share as much as, which is his prerogative, obviously, it didn't sound like he had severe, severe symptoms. It sounds like he had symptoms. It wasn't asymptomatic, but he didn't have severe, severe symptoms. And yet it's still affecting him, you know, uh, how many months, two months later now, two months later. And I think also Ricky wanted to give him, Ricky Renteria wanted to give him some days off early on. And I think it was impossible just because of the way he was hitting and other injuries on the team. So maybe he did get a little overworked early from coming back, you know, really just a week in summer camp before the season started. But yeah, I think, you know, part of that illness has affected him. He, I don't think he said it straight out and I believe the young man. So I think that's an issue. He's just got to keep fighting through and to his credit, he's trying to do the best he can out there. You know, it's really affecting you can see it in his running, but, you know, he doesn't have the base, the leg-wise hitting either. So that's where I think it's you're not seeing the power of him driving the ball as he was, you know, last year. Scott, one final question. They're definitely making it to the playoffs in my mind, okay? And I want to know what you think. Are they going to win the division? You know, I said uh, on another uh, program the other day, I thought they had the most complete team in that division. I will say this, that if Cleveland hits, I think Cleveland's the best team, then because their pitching is ridiculous. But I don't know how much they can hit. I don't know how can I know Fran Bell Reyes has been out of his mind the last couple of weeks. You know, a, a guy who always hit for power, but is now like right behind Tim Anderson in the batting in the batting title race. You know, I, I think I, I'm going to say I'm going to play the middle of the road and play it safe and say I think they finished second in that division. But I think you know they're not a team that you want to face in the postseason because you know as much as pitching and defense wins, if you get a, a hot bat in this kind of run, you might be able to do a lot of damage. So they're in the playoffs. I think I, I think they have a chance to win the division. They, they have as much chance to win the division as they do to finish third, right? The way things are laid out right now. But I, I'm going to say they finish second going into the postseason. Scott Merkin from MLB.com. He's uh, quite the insider for the White Sox, and he's a nice enough guy that with all of his other media obligations and all these big timers that will have him on his show, he takes time to come and hang out with me while I sit in my basement. So I really appreciate it, Scott. I mean, I, honest to goodness, it, it's really nice of you when you're when you're able to come on here. I love the fact we were able to have a talk today and, uh, you know, go White Sox and thanks a lot for coming on. Anytime, Chris. Look forward to talking to you soon. A nice conversation with Scott Merkin right there. Folks, make sure you check out Socks in the Basement every Wednesday and now on Saturdays for Socks in the Basement Saturdays. Sometimes it's even live on Saturdays. Me and my buddy Dave grew up across the street from each other. 40 plus years of friendship. We love talking White Sox. And we have had a lot of fun over the last couple of years talking with you. If you have not yet done so, subscribe to Socks in the Basement. Don't miss an episode. You never know who's going to pop in and join us next. It's time for me to refill my beer. So I'm going to go. Thanks for listening this Saturday to Socks in the Basement Saturdays. We will see you on demand again in just a few days. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. 
Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.